After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple pivots in the for-profit leadership later? We're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. Think about the last great book that you read. The author did a great job of getting you interested and hooked in the very beginning of the story and drew you through what was, in honesty, just a bunch of hours of looking at blobs of ink on paper. The story is what drove you through. It wasn't anything else about this book, <laughs> right? It was the story itself and how powerful a story can be. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And when it comes to nonprofits, because we have to be great storytellers as leaders, leaders of nonprofits. And we're going to kind of break down and talk about what makes a great, compelling story and how could that can be used in nonprofits to grow our effectiveness. Yeah, this is a really important topic. Um, so many people want to talk in facts or in figures or like just a quick little sentence. And they forget that humanity really is just a collection of stories that has been passed down over time. It's the stories that I heard from my great grandfather who passed down to my grandpa, who passed down to my parents, who passed down to me. Um, like there are all these generational stories that really, as we're growing up, that's what we're learning about. Any great book that we've read is the story of the hero or the bravery or the I'm stepping outside of my comfort zone. I'm going to go explore this new area or whatever it is. And without the story mechanism behind it, you could just as easily end up with a book that's like, yeah, there was this kid. He went to this place. Some stuff happened and he moved on with his life. Like, <laughs> And you would never remember it. And you would never remember it. I think a lot of times that's why in school you have these classes where teachers taught a lot of facts and you remember nothing from it. <laughs> and then you have other classes who have like this one phrase or this one story that they told um, to explain a concept. And you start to realize, oh, that that's how this thing works. And it sticks with you forever. Uh, we had a science teacher and Ted mm -hmm. and I always reference to find a spoon. And he had this whole lesson on how um, all of the species were broken down into different genus and phylum and classes and all these different things. And I still remember that analogy because he started out with just a simple, to find a spoon. And that's how he started this whole thing for the whole class. And to this day, that's always in the back of my head when I think about that kind of um, class material. So as nonprofit leaders, we have to get good at telling stories, not just because we're trying to draw out the emotions in other people, but because people connect with stories more than they connect with facts. Yep. The, uh, you know, obviously this plays a role in all the parts of the organization when it comes to recruiting great staff members, when it comes to bringing on volunteers, and it comes to motivating volunteers, keeping people excited and energetic about what you're accomplishing. It's about vision casting needs to be great storytelling. Raising funds needs to be great storytelling. And this is not to say that you don't want to include facts and figures because we've talked about that as well. But especially if you're a leader who has a little bit more of just an analytical, logical mind, this part can be kind of easy to forget. 
Now, people who are relational leaders, they tend to be pretty good at telling stories, but there's still ways in which we can all improve in the way that we tell stories. And so for us, this is a huge, huge and very important topic. Mm -hmm. Now, if you are someone who thinks about facts and figures, I want you to just consider this for a moment. Every fact and figure that you find to be interesting is telling a story. It's just one that your brain is really good at interpreting that other people might not understand. So think about it from the angle of like a financial advisor, right? Ted and I can bring all of our finances for our entire lives to our financial advisor. And if he spent time pouring through all of it, he could go back and tell us the story of our finances, how we spent our money, where our money went, what our priorities are. If we continue into the future, here's where it's going to go. Here's what the future could look like. Here's whatever. The reason he's good at his job is because he's able to take the data and read the story. But for a lot of people, if you just give them the data, they're not going to be able to read the story from it. And so it becomes a way of almost like translating the language that you understand into the language that other people understand. So if you just like facts and figures, remember, like, it's still storytelling, and you need to get comfortable with it because it's going to be a little bit outside of your comfort zone, but it's going to be the way that you're going to be able to connect with more people and help them care about your organization and what you're doing. So, Lisa. Yes. What is one <laughs> element of a great story? Ooh, there are a lot of elements of a great story. I mean, everybody can probably think back to like a literature class or something like that, or even like stories that they've read and kind of sort of follow like similar trends and stuff in stories. But what Lisa to you stands out as one that's like, this is an important piece of um, most stories or every story. Character development. Ooh, that's, that's a good. really big one. Um, a lot of times what I see in nonprofits when they're trying to tell a story is they want to get the details right to the extent that they don't necessarily care about the characters who are making the details play out. Um, so what this can sound like is like, oh, yeah, we helped a family versus we helped a family. It was a mom and a dad, three kids all under the age of eight. Um, the kids really like to play with cars and trucks and they just want to have like a great childhood and they had hungry bellies and here's how we were able to help them. Like enough character development that you start to understand something about the family. And relate to them. And, and relate characters. to them. Yep. Or... Um, there was a man and he wanted to start a business, but he didn't have the funding. He didn't have the background and we were able to set him up with a great mentor because he wanted to be able to really understand how to do this well. He was the first person in his family to really get a degree, um, and to even want to start a business and to be able to help his community. Something that actually shares the desires of the people who are being helped. Sometimes we think the greatest desire is whatever it is that the organization is offering them, but generally it's not. People have massive hopes and dreams, and a lot of times what our organization is doing is just taking away one of the pressures that they're feeling so that they can mm. actually start to move forward into their um, into those hopes and dreams. And so the character development, not just the statistics, but who are they really? What are they hoping for? What do they worry about at night? What are they thinking about? Where do they want to go? Where do they want to see their kids go? How does this whole community work? Um, but then also the development of the organization's character. We want you to understand us 
and our story. Um, and then the character development for the people who are a part of the organization. If you join us, here's who you are. Um, you are actually part of the story too and not have mm-hmm. it be, this is our story and you're funding it. It's like, no, right. this is our story That's and huge. we are doing this. So I think character development um, is key because I can have a great epic tale, but if I don't care about the character succeeding, I'm not going to read it. Oh, right. Like right. You, you, want- you have to have that first base of, I want to know about the people. Right. You really want to like care, care about their feelings and their emotions and all that. And if they're just basically a mannequin, <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't connect the same way. Mm-hmm. What about you? So for me, a, a really, really important part of story that, especially that I notice a lot of nonprofits not being super great at telling is the struggle. Mm. You know, in great stories, there's always a conflict to overcome. You have these characters and they're being developed over time. And there's something that happens that is going to force them to have to grow in some way to be able to overcome the challenge, the struggle. And then they come out on the other side of it being the hero, which we're going to talk about in the next episode a little bit more in depth about heroes of our organizations and heroes of, of the stories. But Specifically with this, the struggle is so important to cover because you can't have a promised land without the desert. Mm -hmm. And if you do skip over the desert, the promised land isn't as sweet. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you know, who cares about a land of milk and honey if it wasn't really that bad to begin with? (laughs) Milk milk and honey is great, but I mean... (laughs) It's not it's not ice cream, <laughs> right? But in comparison with the desert, that's that's incredibly good, right? So we have to be uh, paying attention to what the struggle is that we're aiming to overcome, and uh, not delivering the struggle of the story in a way that's like whining or complaining. Yes, but stating it as a fact: this is the thing that is being overcome in this moment, and knowing who the hero character is, is going to help you figure out what the struggle is that you're focusing on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, again, like we're going to dive into that a little bit more in depth in the next episode. But just paying attention, you know, don't just skip right. Hey, we helped this family with this. It's like, OK, cool. Did they even need that? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> that's a, a, a lot of times I'll see nonprofits like, hey, we helped this uh, this uh, person get this thing. And it's like, okay, well, I'm having to assume that they needed it, first of all, because you didn't really whatever. But I would feel much happier about the fact that they were provided with this if I knew how deep the struggle was. So that way, when the need is fulfilled, it's like this sense of massive relief and like, wow, that's powerful. I want to be a part of that story next time. Yeah, it's I love that point because. One thing about the struggle is that the struggle is uncomfortable, not just for the character, but for the person hearing about the struggle. Mm-hmm. It's also uncomfortable talking about the struggle. And as people, we want to move to the point where things feel good. We don't want to be uncomfortable. And so as leaders, sometimes it's hard to even go there. I'm going to bring up how hard the situation is. I'm going to bring up the good, the bad, the ugly of the situation. Um, for the people out there trying to help, but then also what's the struggle of your organization? 
if you go to places and say, hey, we have a fundraiser coming up so that we can, can continue doing our work, you have to be willing to be vulnerable enough to say, yes, nonprofit work comes with financial needs and it can be a struggle because we aren't selling services. We are relying on people to understand what we're doing. But if you aren't willing to say that you have a need, chances are you're not going to get that need filled. Right. Um, we had a nonprofit that we were connected to just very lightly over the course of years. And it took us like five years to figure out what it was they were doing because they would tell us the solution. Oh, we did this. Oh, we did this. Oh, we did this. But we didn't understand the struggle of the people that they were trying to help. And, and then we had one, to really draw it out. We had to keep them. asking more and more questions. And one day we finally got it and we were like, oh my gosh, that's what people are going through? Like, we had no idea. It took so long. But it's because the struggle is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Now, on the flip side of that, the other tendency with nonprofits who are willing to talk about the struggle is that they lean into the struggle so hard that they are willing to operate from a place of, I'm going to make you feel guilty till you give. Right. I'm going to make you feel bad about your life. I'm going to make you feel bad that you don't have the struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not the healthy way to do it either. One, people will stop talking to you because they don't want to be guilted. <laughs> but secondly, if you lean so heavily into the struggle that you never show that there is a potential story arc for overcoming the struggle, for redemption, for any sort of growth from the person who is going through the struggle... Eventually, people will say, if the struggle's that bad, there's nothing I can do to help. I don't have enough money. It's hopeless. It has overtaken the community. I'll find somewhere else where I feel like I can actually make a difference. So this is a really, really great tool that I learned in storytelling when it came to doing um, like uh, testimonial interviews is that the first two thirds should be laying the groundwork of the struggle and just the, the tough part. And then there should be a turn at that two thirds mark and the rest. And that should be like the climactic, like, and then this happened and then the light broke through or like whatever, you know, the climactic point is. And then the last third should be talking about how the hero of the story triumphed mm-hmm. and came through. And so that is a really good way to know if you're telling too much struggle or not enough struggle because some people will only tell like a third of the struggle and then they'll spend two thirds talking about the solution and that's too much solution. You're not actually laying the groundwork enough mm-hmm. for it to be. This is a real need and that, you know, that allows you to tell the character, like grow the characters through the struggle, talk about what needed to change. So if you're writing three paragraphs about a specific story of somebody that your organization helped First two should be character development and talk about the struggle they're going through. And the last third should be the last paragraph should be. And then this happened. We were able to do this with your help. We were able to and just lay it all out there. And now, boom, boom, boom. This Mm -hmm. is what their life is like. Yeah. And laying that groundwork is really important. It has to be a good combination of facts and feelings. Mm -hmm. It has to be a good combination of This is what was surrounding the person. This is the person. This is how they felt in the situation. This is where they wanted to go. Here's how they couldn't, here's why they couldn't get there. Um, Because sometimes when people talk about, you know, let's talk about the struggle first, they either go all facts and no one quite knows what's happening or all feelings and people who are very logic minded, who don't relate to feelings as strongly as some people (laughs) are like, the Spocks. Just change. 
<laughs> like, why, why didn't you just change? And that's not always something that people can just easily do. There's a reason that they needed the help of your organization. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about, you know, like other conversations that we've had about personality types and including the right metrics and all that kind of stuff into what you're doing, um, that's part of it. The groundwork has to kind of cover all of it so that when you get to the point where it's like, all right, here's the turn that people feel that moment of, I understand why the turn matters. Um, I've had people tell me the story and the turn comes. And I don't want to say I don't care, but I'm just not impressed because it doesn't seem like anything really changed. Like, I just didn't get it. Something didn't connect with me. And I had to be like, wait a second, we have to go back. Why, why was the turn needed? Why was it necessary? Um, so as you're telling these stories, I love that. Two-thirds, one-third. Yep. That's such an easy... It's a, it's a great tool. It's a great, great place to start, for sure. Um, here's the other thing that I'll say, too. As the nonprofit leaders in our organizations, we are the authors of these stories. So if you're looking through your organization's history and you're saying, okay, I need to tell some of these stories so that way I can really motivate people to you know keep volunteering really, really hard or you know I can motivate people to give or whatever kind of big initiative that you're doing right now to to expand your organization. And you're looking back and you're like, but none of these stories are really that powerful or that good. You need to author some good stories. Like it should be a huge red flag to you if you can't tell a good compelling story because there aren't any that maybe something is goofy with your organization because you're not creating stories. Hmm. And, you know, sometimes it might just be that because you're in the thick of it, you don't see some of the stories. Maybe you need to talk to some of the people in your organization and find some of those stories. But other times you might realize like, oh, we've been in coasting mode for so long, just like throwing money at the issue or just throwing uh, busyness at the issue and not actually really accomplishing anything that a human being that can tell a story and feel a story can connect with. It's time to look at how do we do something for the community? How do we do something for who we're trying to help in a way that we can tell this story and it's going to make our future donors' hearts come alive. It's going to make our volunteers' hearts come alive. I think that's a really, really huge um, metric. Not necessarily a lead or a leg indicator, but just kind of a pay attention if you don't have new stories coming out and the story that you always tell us from six years ago, that's mm. a good indicator that you need to adjust something in your organization so that you can be producing more stories. Um, right. Every single thing that you do, every initiative that you have and every time that you're in, that you're working with the community of people that you are looking to help, there should be stories coming out of it. So either you are not tracking the stories properly and doing follow-up um, or the initiatives that you are creating are not being effective. Sorry right. to say that, but it might not be effective. And you might need to relook at how your organization is functioning. Um, I remember when I was younger, um, not being super involved with the organization, but, you know, kind of, it was just one that I'd hear about from time to time. And I heard the leaders talk about a story about, um, I think it was like a food drive that they did. And I was like, oh, awesome. That's great. And then five years later, I ran into someone about the organization. I said, so how's it been going? They're like, oh my gosh, we had this food drive. They were telling the same story. They had, they never did a second food drive. Mm. And so every time people would ask how they were doing, 
they didn't have new stories. And so they would just say, yeah, it has food. I'm like, the one like five years ago, they're like, oh, has it been that long? Yes. Yep. You are telling the same story. And everyone paying attention is hearing the same story. And they're all wondering. Are they doing anything? Are you doing anything? Where's the money going? If that's your last story. Even non-perishables don't last for five years. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, and, and it just makes me think about. I mean, I love what you said. If you're telling the same story from six years ago, it's time to really dig and see what you're doing and make sure that it's effective. But then also time to really work on creating creating some new stories. Another thing that I'll add that's a really, really good thing to keep in mind, your stories should all have a very common thread. Mm-hmm. Because you, in essence, as a nonprofit organization, you want to tell the same story, but with different hero, with different characters over and over and over again. You don't want to be <clears throat> like, like even the Twilight Zone is a good example. They tell the same story with different characters in different situations over and over again. That's true. Because it's always someone's hubris gets them in trouble and then some supernatural event like makes them pay for it. Right? <laughs> like that's 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 the Twilight Zone. But I mean, the the stories that we tell in our organizations, it can be really tempting to be, OK, I need to tell a, a new story. So then you have different heroes, different solutions, different characters and we talked about this really recently about um, really paring down and making sure that you are laser focused as an organization because that's what people will give and serve for mm-hmm. is a very, very focused and niched organization. But if you're not careful and you let your stories get really broad, it's like, oh, we helped this person over here by doing this. And we helped this person over here by doing this totally different thing. And then we help this person over here. It's like, whoa, like, what do you what do you do? You just like help random people. I mean, mm-hmm. if that's if that's what your organization is, then that's what you should be saying. We help random people. And then, you know, maybe that maybe that'll resonate <laughs> with some people. We help random people. That's our mission statement. It's possible that could resonate with some people, but like you have to be really clear with that. Because yeah. otherwise people are going to be like, I, I, I became or- part of this organization because you were helping people in sex trafficking. And now you're helping people who are hungry. It's like, it's okay that you're doing two good things, but... But let's have a thread. I want to do the thing that I originally came on board to help with. Right. So a really good example of this is um, we know an organization that helps out people in poor communities all around the world become entrepreneurs. And the goal is that then they would start businesses and be able to help their whole communities because they can hire people, they can provide for their families, ideally future families and all this stuff. Well, if you look at what they do, they do a lot of stuff. But they have the one thread. So you can donate money and fund a business startup. Fantastic. Entrepreneurship. Um, You can, around Christmas time, they send out catalogs and you can buy the chickens or buy the goats or buy a sewing machine. But the chickens and goats both say, so let the family can feed themselves and have enough to sell. The sewing machine, entrepreneurship. The sewing machine is because the woman is renting a sewing machine, but if she buys one, she can triple her income and then hire other people entrepreneurship. They get Bible studies going because it's a Christian organization, but the Bible studies are centered around entrepreneurship. They do Bible studies with mentorship for entrepreneurship. So every single thing that they do in every community, like they have multiple ways that they help people, 
but it all has the thread of we build entrepreneurs in communities to help them thrive, period. And it doesn't matter how they're going about doing it. So if there was a massive storm that came through and they're like, we need to send blankets to the thing, I can guarantee that somewhere in their messaging, it would be like, we went to our entrepreneurs and gave them blankets so that they could somehow add a logo so that they could give it to the community and help develop these other industries or something like that. Like there would be some way that either the blankets would come from material from a different business owner so that they were supporting entrepreneurship or the blankets were being given through the entrepreneurs so that they could support the families and make sure that they were warm as things were being built or that there would be like there would be some sort of thread with anything that they did if they're like, hey, you know what? We're going to start paying for kids' education so that they have the knowledge so that when they grow up, they can be entrepreneurs. Like <laughs> every single thing that's their, that's has the same thread. thread all the time. So if I were to get a letter from them in the mail that had this completely, completely crazy initiative, I bet it would still have the word entrepreneur in it. And instantly I'd be like, yep, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep, it fits within their scope. Yep, they haven't changed their mission. And that's really, really, really important Because even if they thought entrepreneur, they need to tell the story of entrepreneur so that me, as someone who's bought into the idea of entrepreneurship, understands how it all fits together and how the communities are growing and thriving and the big overarching story of how multiple people's lives are being changed. And each story is interwoven within this one organization. No, that's that's huge. I know we we say that all the time. That's huge. But it's like, it really is a super important piece of this. It's like that common thread is so important to figure out for your organization. If you don't already know what it is, or if you do know what it is, make sure that you're curating the way that you're telling your stories. So that way it's clear mm-hmm. that that is what's happening. Uh, yeah. Go oh, ahead. another thought. When we're talking about those testimonials, when you write it, record it, tell it, whatever it is. That turn, you know, you lay the foundation of, you know, the struggle, there's a turn, and then it's good. The turn has to line up with that thread all the time. Sometimes people think as long as we have the story with the before and after, we're good. But the thread has to continue. And so even if the person has side stories that are still really good stories, but they don't quite line up with what you're doing be careful that you're not allowing what you perceive to be the best story um, or like this is the biggest change story. Take away from the trust that your organization is building by showing it's consistent. Right. There's a balance there and you have to walk that line really, really carefully. And this isn't about not telling the whole story. But it's about making sure that you can have more stories going yep. forward. Now, a really, really great example of this is romantic comedies. Because <laughs> they all tell the same story. Yep. And they all happen the exact same way. Yep. And that's why we can put them in the genre of romantic comedy because we know how it's going to go. Boy has boy and girl have a cute meet. And then, or meet cute. That's what it's called. I can't remember what it's called. Whatever. The meet cute. The meet cute. Thank you. I Good thing I'm not really that versed in this uh, vocabulary. Otherwise, I'd have to question some things about myself. But I like... <laughs> <laughs> but the uh the whole thing is like they have they meet they like each other then there's some kind of like lie or something that kind of like 
they're keeping from each other and then they find out and then they break up and then they get back together and it's like oh my gosh and then it's real you know yeah and like that 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 arc always happens that storyline always happens in that same way almost to the point where you can be like yeah he's gonna meet her at the airport and then they're gonna you know before she takes off on the plane or whatever and uh, it's it's important to think about your organization in that way. Am I telling this story in a way that it fits in the genre of my organization mm-hmm. all the time? Like, am I telling the story in a way that people are going to be able to say, like, I can't wait until this organization steps in. I can't wait until this person's life is going to be impacted and how it plays out, you know? Yes. There is some um, great reasons to have a lot of creativity as nonprofits. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to have is creativity in the way that makes people unsure if they can trust our stability. So be very, mm. very, very careful. Having the consistency of the stories to the point where people are like, I'm excited. I'm going to get the next one in the mail. I trust what's going to happen. I know it's going to be good. It's going to fit into like everything that I'm expecting from this organization. It's going to be more proof that I have chosen the right place and I'm given to the right thing and the right people are being helped. Like, You want that consistency. It is Mm -hmm. not boring. Right. There are ways to be creative and keep that storyline. Absolutely. But keep the storyline. Don't forsake the vision of your organization because you want to do something random and fun one time. (laughs) You have no idea how fast. That can erode trust. That can erode trust with with your biggest donors or with your smallest donors. Every dollar makes a difference. And you want to be very, very, very careful with that. Yeah. And again, that translates into volunteerism, into your the quality of people you can attract to become a part of your board, the quality of people that want to be a part of your staff, who want to help out in various ways, um, even the quality of people who want to be associated and network with you. Other organizations that may want to say, you know, put the name of your organization on their brochures and say, hey, we partner with this organization. All of this storytelling really lends power to everything that you're doing if you do it well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So a question for you all who are listening. What is a story that you have told in the last, let's say, six months? Um, I want you to just kind of pull it out. Maybe you put it on a brochure somewhere. Maybe it's on a website. Maybe you just told a friend. Pull it out and look at it and see, do you have the elements of a compelling story? And what's one thing about it that you can change that would make it just a little bit more compelling and that would bring it just a little bit more in line with what your organization is looking to do long term? If you have any questions about that or want to share it with us, we'd love to see those. You can email us at office at LegacyBuildersintl.com. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersIntl.com. 